Welcome to Marvelous Disney, the podcast that discusses the most recent doings at one of the more dynamic divisions of the Walt Disney Company, which is, of course, Marvel Entertainment. This is entertainment writer Jim Hill, and my co-host, the amazing Aaron Adams, and I are recording this week's episode on Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022, which is the day before Thanksgiving, and for a lot of folks, they just think that's them being able to sort of load up on a lot of protein and then head on out to do some Black Friday shopping, snap up a few bargains, and Aaron, you, you've come across a, a Marvel-related bargain, is that right? Bargain? Did you say bargain? Well, I don't know if that's the right word, but sure, why not? Let's let's call it a bargain for Okay. <laughs> depending on the size of the stone you want to get, what I've discovered here is a place called East Continental Gems. Eastcontinentalgems.com uh, will take you to the place. But what they're doing is they're selling uh replicas basically of the Marvel infinity stone collection not just one but they're doing the whole darn collection and right now they've unveiled the reality stone and so the reality stone is a nice uh i would guess it'd have to be like a ruby uh, i would imagine but uh because it's a, a red stone but they have like different sizes ranging from like a half carat ish uh that start at like one thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars and i guess that's your budget version right there because uh, it goes all the way up to a little over two carats and a full $20,000 for a stone. Now, they do come in a very, they have like a, a really nice carrying case, almost like you could see uh, Nick Fury carrying yeah. it, you know, type yeah, of I case could. like that, I could. right? Mm -hmm. And then yep. um, beyond that, they they do have the other stones coming out. Uh, we've got the Time Stone, which is going to be Emerald. Uh, and that will be like a more square cut, I believe, uh, will be December of this coming year. So right around the corner. We've got a Power Stone, which is purple in color, coming in the spring, summer of 23. Uh, Soul Stone is orange, spring and summer 23. Yellow for the Mind Stone, summer 23. And then all the way in winter, skip and fall, apparently, for some reason. Uh, we've got the Space Stone, which is a lovely blue color. And uh, yeah, there's only 300 available of each of these stones. So really, if you want to collect them, you have to be uh, kind of Johnny on the spot when they're released and get your order in early because I can't believe they've already sold several of the $20,000 uh, gems here on uh, on this page. It's kind of kind of shocking to see them go that quick. You were talking about people with deep pockets, which makes me think of, of the folks who you know, were among the first to do the Star Wars Intergalactic Star Cruiser. Did you see where just this week, for the first time, I guess Disney quietly reached out to DVC members and said, oh, how would you like a discounted cruise, like 30% off? So evidently, maybe there's not as many deep-pocketed people as they thought. So maybe well, this addition size. Well, have a limited size. number, like if, if, you were to put, if they put a limited number on those cruises, I'm sure they would be snatched up because as soon as it's limited, well, then it's coveted, right? You know, there and then people go. have to jump on it. But a cruise, it's, it's a land cruise. It's just a building that sits there. It's not going anywhere, right? I can wait another year or two to go on it. Uh, well, let's see about that year or two. Um, anyway, we were just talking about Black Friday. And speaking of which, that's November 25th. And that's the day that the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special drops on Disney Plus, which, by the way, Angie Han of The Hollywood Reporter in a review that literally just got posted 20 minutes ago is calling this show a delight. Not terribly long. It falls in at about 40 minutes ish. 
and this is the second special presentation, the first being Werewolf by Night. Marvel Studios put that up on Disney Plus back in October. But this one is is written directed by James Gunn and in an interview with The Hollywood Reporter spoke about how he shot Guardians 3 and the Holiday Special at the same time. I shot them simultaneously. Because Volume 3 is a very, very emotional movie, uh, and it tells the story of Rocket and where he came from and where he's going and how that ties in with everybody else. And, and not only that, but the end of this iteration of The Guardians. So by getting the opportunity to do this goofy thing, the holiday special, you know, once every four days, and then going back to shoot four days of Guardians Volume 3, toggling back and forth there, Gunn describes Guardians Holiday Special as almost like a snow day. That was recess. That was fun. And, and another reason why it's, I guess it's going to be crucial to check out this holiday special is that there are elements that are introduced in this holiday special that are going to show up in Guardians 3. And, and among them, Cosmo the Space Dog is finally officially joining the crew. We also get to find out where the Guardians have been since their brief vignette in Thor Love and Thunder, it turns out they've taken up residence in the head of nowhere, that giant skull floating in space. And they also have acquired a brand new ship, the Bowie, which to hear Gunn talk about is this four-story, four the most amazing set I've ever been on. That's how he describes it. And he said... And we were able to utilize these sets because we had the money uh, to build for Volume 3 in the holiday special and otherwise wouldn't have had the type of money to build uh, these sorts of sets. So obviously need to go check out the holiday special before we see Guardians 3, which, by the way, is still on track to open in theaters May 25th, 2023. And obviously lots of Marvel-related news, and I know you folks want... Aaron and I, to talk about the whole Bob Chapek, Bob Iger situation. We're going to do that in the second half of the show. But as for the news portion, the news portion of this week's show, uh, Marvelous Disney is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Jim Hill Media Podcast Network. For a worry-free travel experience every time, please book online at storybookdestinations.com. Okay, to follow up on uh, last week's show, where we talked at length about the box office of Black Panther Wakanda Forever. This Ryan Coogler film was still number one at the box office this past weekend. But as we mentioned, uh, they were anticipating a 60% fall off in ticket sales in North America because that's what happens with giant box office films. And Wakanda Forever did exactly that. Uh, they, they experienced a 63% fall off in ticket sales. Still managed to sell $67.3 million worth of tickets domestically and currently black panther wakanda forever stands at 303 million dollars worth of ticket sales in north america 257 worth of ticket sales a uh, million 257 million overseas for a worldwide box office of 561 million dollars and just on projections that have been announced today they're anticipating marvel studios over the long Thanksgiving Day weekend to sell an additional $50 million worth of tickets to Wakanda Forever here in North America. You know the little uh, name plaque on a desk usually? Right mm -hmm. now there's a, a name plaque on the big office right now, and it, it has a thing that can slide in and out says The Fault 
or credit mm-hmm. goes to Bob in the, either swap out Bob Chapek or Bob Iker. Depending on, do, is, it, is Black Panther making lots of money? No, we'll switch it to uh, the fault is Bob Chapek. And then the next day, hey, we made lots of money. Oh, switch the uh, tile over the, the credit. Goes to Bob Iger then, right? Is that is that what's going to happen for the next uh, couple of months? You clearly understand how things operate in Hollywood. Well, he's not here anymore. He can't defend himself. Let's just lay the blame on the guy who's no longer here, and we'll take the credit for the guy who is here. And that's how uh, Hollywood works, ladies and gentlemen. The thing about Bob Iger is he a wonderful politician. He's a smooth operator. And when Bob was in charge, Disney films would be screened in China quite a bit. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, during Chapex run, we saw some really notable kind of black eyes. I mean, for example, Mulan, which was deliberately shot with the thought of, oh my God, we're going to make so much money in China, and then didn't get screened in China. So, uh, you know, the, what's kind of interesting is, again, we're, we're living with, you know, sort of the aftermath of, of how things got bobbled politically and internationally with JPEG. So there's a lot of folks at Disney who talk about Wakanda forever. The thing that makes them crazy is the original Black Panther back in 2018 sold $105 million worth of tickets just in China alone. That was one-tenth of its worldwide box office. And so the fact that Disney's frozen out of China... The reason that China has supposedly cited for the reason they're not allowing Black Panther Wakanda forever into their country is the ridiculously small amount of LGBTQ content, which, unless I miss something, literally is one female character saying to another female character, honey, I'm heading to the office. And it's like, okay. I'm almost surprised that Disney doesn't like open a little mini theater inside of one of their parks and just throws Black Panther and movies that didn't make it into China, just throw it into the park and call it an attraction for six weeks. Interesting idea. I, I wonder how the exhibitors would feel about that in China. But well, that's I mean, an if you're blocked, idea. you know, and, and you can't get in, then it doesn't matter because the exhibitors wouldn't wouldn't have had the ability to show you anyway. So if you're if you're going to be blocked... Then you just shuffle it over to your Disney cinema inside of your park. And then when people pay, you know, a couple hundred thousand yen or whatever it is to get inside, they can pay a little bit more for a ticket to go see your movie that doesn't legally play in China, but can play in your park because it's an attraction, quote unquote, not a movie. Interesting idea. That said, Hollywood just loves to to talk, uh, sometimes not sensibly. But there's a number of folks who are, are wondering now that, you know, well, would Black Panther, uh, you know, the sequel have made more money if, if Chadwick Boseman were still alive? And I, I hate hypotheticals like that. You know, it's like, well, if, you know, if it rained declares, should I get an umbrella? So far, the, the movie's been tracking almost equal to slightly less than. So we know that when it came out, it was just slightly behind what the original Black Panther did. And then you just said that the fall off is usually 60%. This time it's 64. So it's just a a few percentile off of tracking normally. Is Mm -hmm. Disney at this moment, do they see it as the failure or do they see it as the success? Because trending as normal seems like, well, that's not bad because if you're way, way grossly off, uh, well, then you're not making your money back and you've, you know, you've spent hundreds of millions of dollars and you only made 57, 12 at the box office, you know, and that's not the case. So are they really that disappointed right now that they're off just by a little percent? 
the game changed this past weekend. Bob Chapek was Hollywood's favorite pinata. So if Monday morning had rolled around with Bob Chapek still as the CEO of the company, there would have been, you know, you know fall off. We predicted 60. Right. And it was actually 63. You know, the film is not making as much. But, but, but Flogging's but now, for everybody. Until yeah. morale improves, flogging's yeah. for everyone. <laughs> but now Iger is in charge, and it's just sort of like, oh, happy days are here again. And it's right. still the same box office, but right. okay. By the way, uh, speaking of folks in Hollywood talking, uh, did you see this Quentin Tarantino thing, the interview he did with Variety? Yeah, he's been saying a lot of stuff lately. Sometimes Quentin just needs to sit behind the camera and make a movie and not talk so much. Yeah, I know, I know. But here's the thing that has Marvel fans upset. And he talks about the the Marvelization of Hollywood is that, well, you have all these actors who become famous playing these characters. But they're not movie stars, right? I mean, Captain America is the star, or Thor is the star. I mean, I'm not the first person to say this. I think it's been said a zillion times, but it's like, you know, it's these franchise characters that became a star. And I don't know about this. I'll tell you what, I've got a cousin named Daryl. Mm-hmm. Who does a hell of an Elvis impersonation? Mr. Tarantino, why don't you put this guy in front of the camera and just say, do your Elvis thing and uh, see if a movie happens. Right? <laughs> Isn't that what he's saying? Because the guy's playing Elvis, and Elvis is a star, and therefore everybody <laughs> should there uh, care, right? Because uh, it's Elvis. And it's like, no, it's not. If you put <laughs> a piece of wood up there and dressed it in a Captain America costume, it probably wouldn't come off as well. So I do think you need a talented actor. And Chris Evans has got charisma for days, right? <laughs> and let's not forget how this all started. I mean, you know, if you... We go all the way back to Robert Downey Jr. in 2009 with Iron Man. I mean, you want to talk about a brilliant piece of casting where... That proves your point even more because Robert Downey Jr. was not peaking as a star at that moment. He'd done great work as a young actor. He had some troubles and he kind of wasn't in the hot zone at that moment. And it was only because of his troubles and the fact that he's been able to do very good work when he was a, a younger person that brought him to mind. And then he became white hot and really led the way of the entire MCU for almost a decade, right? Mm-hmm. Like shepherded the whole darn thing in with uh, John Favreau, you know, the way that they, they brought those characters into the MCU. But he wasn't a star at the moment. And, and now he was. And I think if it, Marvel's always done a great job of casting great actors for the roles. And the roles wouldn't work if it weren't for the actors. I think Doctor Strange... Just, I mean, it's hard to be arrogant and likable, but damn Mm -hmm. it, Benedict Cumberbatch knows how to do it. And that's what we need from a Doctor Strange is both arrogant yet likable. And you need a talented actor to be able to pull off that mix. There's a lot of folks in Hollywood who just sort of look over at Marvel Studios and see... The machine, you know, that, that, which, no, 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 no. You know what they see? They are so jaded in jealousy because what they have, what they really see is that Marvel could mine 50 years of comic book history and just pull stories for days that people will eat up because we've already purchased them in, in piles, you know, like civil war. When the comic book came out, that, that series, Marvel made a ton of money in print. So now that when they do it in film version, they're going to make a ton of money. And what the the other people in Hollywood hate because they go, it's not original and it's not, you know, 
thoughtful or respectful. And what they're saying is they don't have to work real hard like I do because they've got stories they can mine for years to come and just tweak and modify and update and adapt. And that's not as challenging as coming up with a new concept. And I hate them for it. They're stomping their feet. I get the professional jealousy thing, but there is, you know, for example, Blade. This got announced with great acclaim 2018, 2019 at, at Comic-Con. Right. But just a month or so back, we found out that the original director of the, the reboot, uh, Bassam Tariq, w- was stepping away. And things were paused for a moment, but Marvel's got a schedule laid out through 2025, 2026. I, I've actually seen some suggested film titles for 2027. And so it was like, we have to get the Blade project going forward because this character shows up in other films. So just early this week, Jan Demange, uh, who worked on the wonderful Lovecraft Country for HBO, uh, he's now taking over the directing duties for the Blade reboot. But you can understand why there were a lot of people in Hollywood who just seethe when they they look at what Marvel is today. I mean, phase four of the MCU actually ends with the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Phase five picks up in February of next year with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantum Mania. Then in March, we get Marvel's Secret Invasion, the, the Samuel Jackson limited series that's been shooting over in London. May, of course, we get a Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. That very same month, Season 2 of Loki debuts on Disney+. Plus. Then come July, we're supposed to get the Echo series, that spinoff of last year's Hawkeye Limited series. Have you been seeing the rumors about they're, they're having some trouble in post with this one? I mean, it's it's kind of the, the same drumbeat that we got with She-Hulk and given how She-Hulk Finding Hulk the tone out, of it. Well, it, actually, supposedly, the challenge is the actress that's at the centerpiece. You know, you're dealing with an actress who is impaired. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the notion of, okay... Like, how do you do the sound mix creatively? Yeah. I there mean, was a, a movie that came out not too terribly long ago, but it was about like a, a woman who couldn't hear, but she was being stalked by a killer. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of moments when when it was the point of view of the character who couldn't mm-hmm. hear where they would just obviously take away the sound mm-hmm. and you could like see the person stalking them in their house behind mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. But because they couldn't hear, there weren't the triggers to make them turn around like you could see like someone knock something over and, and it would. Mm-hmm. Should have made a noise, but because of the, the character stuff, it's not. And man, it just filled you with dread. Okay. It was it was a really effective tool, and I hope that they don't shy away from the fact that she is a person who can't hear. That that changes how they perceive the world around them, and and that should be part of the tools and how they help tell the story. Based on the footage that they showed us at the D twenty three Expo back in. In September, this I thought this looked really promising. So we were hearing the exact same rumbles about She-Hulk six or eight months out, and they fixed that. So Marvel will figure this out. Mm. Moving on in the onslaught of, of stuff that's coming in 2023, X-Men 97, the animated series, debuts in September of, of next year. And the word is out that based on how well the character was received, 
in uh, Werewolf by Night, uh, Man Thing is going to get him. Oh, sweet. Yeah. I, you know, I, I can't wait to, to get it. But that's supposedly going to show up in October of next year. Right. And then that very same month, we also get the debut of Ironheart, the show built around the Riri Williams character that we just met in Wakanda Forever. But mm-hmm. that's nine shows, limited series and films that all came to the marketplace in the same window of time. So should we be realizing at this moment that we are currently in the good old days of Disney Plus? Because <sighs> what's the report that we're like 1.5 billion in the hole on the whole Disney Plus project? That's the Bob Chapek story. No, no, no. It, does, it doesn't matter. The math, no, it, the math it, doesn't it, change the reality it, of the situation. It doesn't. It, and Bob Iger could be in the in the new chair, but. Mm-hmm. Production costs money to produce oh, content for Disney Plus. It costs money, and mm-hmm. if they find out that X number of subscribers equals mm-hmm. one point five billion dollar hole, mm-hmm. they're going to start toning back what they spend on the content they're putting out, and that mm-hmm. means that they're either going to trim back how many episodes you get per season, or they're going to trim the budget overall. We don't need that special effect because that co- like the the line that Feige had with She Hulk. Mm-hmm. Can you please change back to your normal self? Why? Because you're expensive. And please wait until the camera is off of you. You know, it's it's kind of that discussion right there. Of okay, we can't spend the money because this is creating huge debt. So it might change to the fact that Hawkeye's using you know a little suction cup. <laughs> type mm-hmm. type sucker arrows in mm-hmm. his next match because they can't afford the good arrows. Who knows? What's so intriguing about this is that mindset that it's Marvel. You have to be special. You have to do better. It, well, it's also Star Wars, by the way. It's all well, you know, true. all the Lucasfilm. So I mean, they they have to take uh, adopt adopt a mindset across the whole company. You can't say uh, Star Wars. You can have all the money. Marvel, you get cut back. They they're gonna be like ten percent across the board. You know that's gonna be the language. But anyway, well, go ahead. Uh, you, you're getting into what we'll be discussing in the second half of today. Sorry, sorry, so, I'm okay. going too far. I, I mentioned the whole. You know, if you're doing Marvel, you got to be that much more ambitious. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this interview with Phil Lord, the co-directors of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which again still on track to come out next year, June second of two thousand twenty-three. Did you see where they're they're talking about how this film will, depending on what world you're in, each world will have its own distinctly different animation style? What was it at? Like six or eight? Six animation styles, I think, was in the... Six. Yeah. Yeah. It is tough enough to complete a movie that's, you know, all in one consistent style. I mean, you know, that all of your characters look the same from beginning to end and getting things delivered on time and on budget. But to now decide, oh, we're going to be clever. We're going to be fun. We're going to do this style and then we'll do it in that style and then this scene in that style. And it's just sort of like... Yeah, but they did it in the first movie, and you know the deal is you got to up it. Whatever you did the first time, you got to top it and do better. So when you you look at, like, you know, Spider-Man Noir, who's all black and white, and then you Mm -hmm. look at Spider-Man 2099, who's sleek and futuristic, and then you put him next to Spider-Ham, who's all cartoon. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, geez, you got three. And then Penny, who is, you know, the anime version of a Mm Spider-Girl. So you got four very distinct styles right there, and we haven't even mentioned the name, the main character, who is Miles Morales in in that universe, which is five. So six, nah, that's just well, that's the next the thing, step. That, 
that's one thing to do the six characters. It's another thing to do six worlds. worlds. Right, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, again, very much looking forward to this. I, I, the nine projects that, you know, we talked about for next year, really looking forward to it. Really looking forward to Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse as well. It, it's a great time to be a Marvel fan. So says Kevin Feige, particularly after Bob Iger's back. And and, and we'll get to Kevin Feige's part of uh, what just happened on the second half of today's show. But first, this. I know we just did a rundown of everything that's coming for 2023, but on Thursday, December 1st, next week, there is a Comic-Con-like event called CCXP that's being held in Brazil. And Marvel Studios president, Kevin Feige, is going to be headlining the panel. And he's basically bringing the senior cast members for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania along with him. So we got Paul Rudd, Evangeline Lilly, Jonathan Majors, and of course, Peyton Reed, the writer-director of the film. Probably need to pay attention there because I would assume that Kevin's going to take advantage of the opportunity that, you know, people are going to be focused there to find about Ant-Man and the Wasp Mania, but he will probably also trot out some other projects that Marvel has in the works. On the other hand, uh, Jonathan Majors uh, in, it was just talking with The Hollywood Reporter, and he just cannot wait for Kang to come on the canvas. He's like, look, Kang lives in his old world in the MCU, you know, and it just no spoilers, but there are so many variants of him, and the folks at Marvel Studios are really leaning into using Kang to the best of their abilities. And right. uh, Majors, as he puts it, it's an, extremely humbling that they picked me to step into that. So I'm honored to do it, and I'm always excited to see what we're doing. So he's going to be, you know, I, I, I guess bring a notepad with you, folks. You're going to have to keep track of how many different Kangs you get to see. Because so far we, we've seen the one variant right he who remains yeah yeah and the fun the lightness but at the same time the danger of the character he was playing there yeah this guy brings a lot to the table just cannot wait to see what he's gonna do speaking of seeing what this guy is going to do bob Iger is back at the walt disney company you, you folks may have heard about this he is now the new ceo bob chapek was shown the door rather abruptly. I understand from your show, I don't know if it was with Drew or with Len, that there was a mention mm -hmm. that Chapek got like a, a, well, at first he had an NDA, but also a non-disparagement mm -hmm. uh, agreement where he couldn't say nothing bad. Mm -hmm. And didn't he get yeah. like a, what, what was the payout? 27 million, 37, some? It, depending on who you talk with, uh, it was 23 million or it was 27 million. Okay. Uh, he also supposedly was able to take his Disney pension as a lump sum. I just want to make an offer real quick that mm -hmm. Disney, Mr. Iger, mm -hmm. now that you're back, if you're mm -hmm. looking for another replacement, I, I will not speak badly about the Disney company for a mere 5 million. Uh, so you can fire me anytime you want. I'm fine with that. Just give me the five mil at the end of the deal, and I promise I'll never say anything bad. And uh, much cleaner and cheaper than uh, the JPEG deal. 
you know, just you know, put it up for grabs. And I, I'm sure Jim Hill, you know, you're you're widely liked by everyone at the Disney company. You could probably oh. you know lowball me and put in a bid for uh, maybe two point five million to not say anything I, disparaging I, about the I, Disney company I, and get the job. No, <laughs> no I. I I've been doing this too long. Oh, okay. All right. Well, just saw an opportunity to cut a deal, so I thought I'd throw, I, throw I, my hat I in know, the ring. I know. Okay. But all I, right. I, I'll, I'll work my side of the street. Thank mm. you. So much of this news is coming in from, from all sorts of different angles, and everybody has their own little piece of it. And you saw how Kareem Daniels, he was the head of media and entertainment distribution at, at Disney Studios. Mm-hmm. He... he basically got installed by Bob Chapek about four months after Bob came on the job. So this is safe, you know. Uh, was he already inside of the Disney company? Or oh, was, he'd, was, he'd worked there for years. Okay, and, okay, and he and Chapek knew one another, and Bob deliberately picked Kareem because he, he knew he could trust him with this project. And mm-hmm. what Bob wanted Kareem to do was to change how Disney was funding things you know, with a particular attention to film and television. Mm-hmm. This sort of circle back to an issue you were touching on earlier about, you know, how much these things cost. And Bob Iger, when he was in charge, Bob, you know, in fact, in his statement returning to the company, he talked about he loves working with storytellers. And that was the thing. It was, it was you know, to the effect of, that's a great story. Here's some money, go make that. Kareem had his mandate from Bob to the effect of, okay, we, you know, we overpaid for Fox. No kidding. What did yeah. they go like from 50 million straight to 70 million or something like that in their little bidding war? I know the number jumped like severely, like more than it should have in that last number. Cause and it was like Disney putting everything in, like all the chips on the table. And uh, I'll give you the keys to my car, my wife's uh, tennis bracelet. <laughs> yeah. That, that's, and remember that was Comcast that did yeah, this. Yeah. They, you know, so, yeah. So that they went from 56 billion to 70.1 billion. Yeah. And Bob Chapek was saddled with bringing that debt down. And, and what's interesting is that on this very same show, we've discussed, what David Zaslav over at Warner Brothers Discovery has been dealing with trying to pay down, you know, the, the $40 billion worth of debt that, that came from the merger of that company. And so, I mean, just the debt that you owe back in the uh, percentage rate of the loan or whatever is enough to cripple most companies like large corporations in oh, America totally, as it is, right? Totally. Totally. So, to make just that amount of cash and then to be able to make any sort of substantial payment to that sort of debt to, you know, make it go away. I mean, you you just can't. Even if a Marvel movie is making a billion dollars at the box office, mm-hmm. when you spend two hundred million to make the darn thing and a hundred million to advertise it, and then you would like to, you know, take some of that money and fund a future project that's even bigger, like Secret Wars and you know the Kang Dynasty. You know that, you know, like there's six hundred million dollars right there that I just in in a breath. I said two titles, and that's six hundred million dollars right there. Right, so. Where's the money? Where's the money going to come from? How do you do it? Especially when the parks, you know, had to close with the COVID times and theaters didn't weren't open. I mean, where do you make the money? You basically nailed what a lot of folks I've been talking with have called the inciting event. There were people talking about replacing Bob Chapek as far back as six months ago, but they were little groups of them. They weren't amassed, you know, and and they certainly weren't 
as vocal as they got over the past 10 days or so. It was what happened with the, the, the quarterly earnings call last week where Bob sort of glided by the $1.5 billion shortfall over at Disney+. Plus. And then that followed with the, the company-wide memo he issued about belt tightening and hiring freezes and making some really hard decisions. And But the inciting event supposedly involved Kevin Feige and Kareem Daniels. And on the heels of that hiring freeze cutbacks thing, a word suddenly came down at Marvel Animation Studios that a number of the shows there, and I think we talked about this on last week's show, about the uh, cutback. Uh, it looked like suddenly the the second season of uh, Spider-Man freshman years wasn't going to happen. Likewise, the third season of Marvel What If that was in the process of being written wasn't going to happen. And that there was also some talk about you know, evidently everyone's really excited about Marvel zombies and it's just sort of like, well, that'll be a one and done. It's like, no, no, we have a whole arc we could do here. No, it's just now Marvel zombie. <laughs> well, there we go. Yeah, just the one. Yep, just the one. As long as you keep the door closed, you're good. Anyway, Kevin got wind of this and thought, okay, let me go talk to Kareem. I get that between the Kang Dynasty and, and Secret War, that's $600 million right there on the table. And it's like, I, I get that. If you need me to make some cuts and some reductions and that's it, I, you know, I'll be a team, team player. I get that. But on the other hand, the animation thing, we had ramped up on all of these shows. We had stuff written, more to the point, all these people were counting on these jobs. And you keep telling us you need content for Disney+. Plus. And, you know, in the big scheme of things, for all of those shows, we are talking tens of millions of dollars, not hundreds of millions of dollars. And so can we come to an understanding about this? Like, I'll help you out with the movies, but can you leave Marvel Studios animation alone? And Kareem evidently pushed back, you know, to the effect that, well, no, if we make this exception for you, Kevin, we'll have to make this exception for everybody. And, and we need to be a unified front here. We're, we're facing a very severe financial crunch here at the studios and everyone's got to do their part. And, you know, I'm sorry if that means people over at Marvel Animation Studios are going to lose their jobs. And evidently things got heated. Who's Kevin go to at this point? Is is, uh, is Chapek still there, right? So would he go to Chapek at that instant and say, Bob, he's not giving me money. What does he do? How does he handle that? Well, here's the thing. It never got to that because this story evidently made it around the Disney lot in just a couple of hours. In fact, it made it to Susan Arnold, the, the chairman of the board of the Disney company, by mid-afternoon. And, and remember, she's the one who, after, uh, again, they've been having these conversations about do we replace job paper? Bob Chapek, and if so, how do we do it? And it's, you know, everybody's exploring possibilities and paths and that sort of thing. And the word comes down that Kevin Feige has just had a confrontation with, with Kareem Daniels. And Kareem is, is Bob Chapek's good right arm. And it's just sort of like, for Arnold, this was kind of it. It's the effect of, oh my God, Kevin Feige, who makes us billions, right. who's done a brilliant job. He's walking around here like he's Darth Vader. What the hell, man? <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it was one of these things where it's like, we have to do something now. And that's 
what prompted, uh, reportedly, um, uh. Susan Arnold to get on the phone and, and talk to Bob Iger to the effect of, look, your handpicked successor, successor is driving us into the rocks and you need to come back here and clean up your mess. Bob has only been on the job since since Monday, and let's let's be honest here. It's the holiday week, you know. That by Wednesday afternoon, people were walking out the door, and we won't see them again at Disney till till Monday. Right. But evidently, one of the you know the one of the very first calls when Iger was back on the job was to, to Kevin Feige, and it's like, oh, just shut up about animation. You have your money. Go away. This is no longer a problem. We're good, right? We're good. Okay, well, moving on. For Mr. Iger, you know, just a, a good way to make some side money, a little side hustle, is a, a celebrity endorsement. You know, like for maybe brawny paper towels. You know, when I've made a huge mess and I've been called back to the job to clean it up, nothing helps me get it cleaned up quicker than a brawny paper towel. Ah, there, get that JPEG out of the rug real quick. Thanks, brawny. No problem, Bob. Wink, ding. Brawny, the quicker picker-upper. Well, huh? yeah? I, I, I wonder how much of the debt that would service. Hey, man, when it's for, you know, like you got $70 billion, every nickel counts, man. <laughs> Just this start shoveling true. them in. This is true. Okay, so again, you know that that if you use that idea, Disney, remember the check goes. They to can't Aaron afford and it. They've got to pay off the debt. It's All a right. freebie, guys. It's on okay. me. Serious. All right. Cool. Cool. So, well, anyway, um, I, I guess that's going to do it for this week for Marvelous Disney. But uh, Aaron and I will be back next week, where we will obviously discuss the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, and we'll bring you guys back up to speed about. Where Black Panther Wakanda Forever stands uh, at the box office, and of course, if if anybody else you know loses their job in dramatic fashion at Disney, we'll we'll, we'll chat about that as well. Um, in the meantime, Aaron, I, I've so been so enjoying uh, what you've been doing on social media the the, you know, the past couple of days. It's promoting of you, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. Um, but yes, can you tell the nice folks where they can find you on, on social media? Yeah, over on Twitter right now, I'm the dog in the burning building that says, this is fine, this is fine. Uh, and that's yeah. at Aza Prod. Oh, by the way, speaking of celebrity endorsements and such, yeah. uh, I did actually sign, the big news I'm going to announce on Twitter, uh, I'm <laughs> announcing my first licensing deal. So be on the lookout in the grocery stores for Snap, Crackle, Aaron's Knees. As I take over for Papa the new Rice Krispies, my knees do a fantastic impersonation of Papa. And he wanted to retire, so I said, I, I think I can do it, guys. Wow. That's, that's <laughs> really oversharing. But okay. Um, as for us on social media, you can find us on, on what remains of Twitter. Uh, also over at Instagram is Jim Hill Media. Uh, also on Facebook is Jim Hill Media News. Likewise, I, I, uh, thanks to Aaron, we have a lot more podcast here at, at, at Jim Hill Media. He, he he edits the Disney Dish I do with Len Testa. Uh, likewise, he edits uh, Fine Tuning, which I do with Drew Taylor. And when Brian and I get around to recording the very next uh, Looking at Lucasfilm, which um, as soon as I finish here, I get to go watch the, the last episode of season one of uh, Andor, which I hear is amazing. Stick around for the after the credits. They have a little, a little peek for you for a thing. Okay, I'll It's important. It's good. It's good. All right. I'll check it out. Let's see. Beyond that, if you get head over to Apple Podcasts and rate and recommend this podcast, uh, that would be so helpful to myself and Aaron. Likewise, if you really, really, really like what you heard here tonight, uh, if you want to head over to Bandcamp and subscribe, 
Um, well, that, that, that would be great too. And I guess that's going to do it for now. Uh, again, I hope all of you have a, a wonderful holiday and Aaron and I will be back soon.